Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song?
Years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary By God's word at last my sin I learned and I trembled at the law I'd spurn Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary There your mercy and your grace was free There your pardon multiplied to me There my burden so found liberty everything now I gladly know him as my king now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary salvation's plan oh the grace that brought it down to man oh the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary may be seated. Let me welcome everyone here today. We are excited. We have the baptism of Harper, and there you are. 
look at you, ready to go. And uh, before we do so, I always like to take the journey and remind us why we do this. Because honestly, there's lots of beautiful traditions in the church. Baptism is one of those beautiful traditions, but it's much more than a tradition. There is spiritual meaning and significance and purpose. And uh, we find it in the scriptures, a couple truths that really get us going to think about why we do this. Uh, there's one truth that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is not a good news thing. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's not good. But the good news is God saw that sin and he saw the depravity of humanity. And he knew that people like me and Harper, we need God's grace. And God's grace has come down for us in the person of Jesus, he lived a perfect life. In fact, he suffered and died and rose again. But right before he ascended up into heaven, he gave the marching orders for the church, what we're supposed to do. And in Matthew 28, we find Jesus saying these words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he gives a promise that Harper's going to receive today. He says, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So some really great gifts are coming Harper's way in this gift of baptism. Now, one of the traditions of the church is to ask godparents to walk alongside mom and dad and spiritually be present for Harper. Now, what does that mean to be spiritually present? Well, a couple things. Number one is to pray. And so, encourage you to be praying for Harper. Grows up. Um, really important things happening in, in life, right? Uh, but also, what you get to do is to model the Christian faith. Because as Harper grows up, going to watch you. And uh, so, you, you get to show the kind of love and grace and mercy that we want Harper to grow up in as well. So, if you're willing to take on a very important spiritual responsibility, then answer, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. Thank you very much. And God give you the love and faith to do this on behalf of Harper. We're going to say the Apostles' Creed. Um, when I met with Harper last week, or the week before, the eye contact, I mean, was like locked in. Every word. And uh, taking everything into consideration. We're going to share the Apostles' Creed. And the reason we do it, it is the summary of the Christian faith in which Harper is going to be baptized into. So, we'd like to have that up on the screen, and uh, we'll have it down here for all of us. And let's share this profession of faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, 
the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So if you would, bring Harper over. You ready for this? Harper Drew, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And may our Heavenly Father, who brought you into his family in baptism, keep you safe in his loving arms forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, good and gracious God, we thank you again. You love us so much that uh, you, you give us one blessing on top of another. And uh, we thank you for life, for Harper's life, and for the, the gifts and the blessings you've already given but we now thank you for this baptism and we thank you for all that you have done and just pray that in this baptism and in life, Harper would experience your presence and grace and would live that out every single day. Be with mom and dad, be with all of us as we celebrate this goodness and grace in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the things that uh, somebody, I think six months ago told me that another church does, is, um, and here's how I preface it, when God, does some, when God does something great, it's really appropriate for us to stand and rejoice in what God has done. So I want to invite you now to please stand, and let's give thanks to God as we applaud his grace in Harper's life. You know, in the Bible, remain standing if you would, in the Bible, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and we, our prayer is that in Harper's life, this light would shine every single day and that Harper would experience God's grace always. So again, we rejoice. We continue our worship now as we sing.
seated. You are good, you are good, you are so good. And I wonder if we really fully can fathom the goodness and the grace of God. In fact, I'm going to be bold to say this. We only can fathom this much of it. God is so good. God is so great. He is loving, compassionate, but your sin and my sin prevent me, prevent you from understanding his goodness greater. That's why we go to him and we ask for his grace and mercy to bring forgiveness, uh, to, to remind us again who he is. And as we saw with Harper, God's grace comes to us. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift that God wants to give. So let me take us in a journey of prayer. Oh, good and gracious God, you, you have given your best you saw our sinful condition. You saw how we fall short of your glory. You, you, you understand that we would be lost forever. And you didn't want that. For Harper, for any, for any of us. So you sent your son to be the savior. And in his death and resurrection, we have forgiveness 
and life with you. And life with you means we get to experience a joy and a peace and a love in a way that this world cannot give. So may your Holy Spirit work within us to give us a faith to receive this blessing and to live as forgiven children. Thank you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in worship, just a couple quick things. Uh, again, if you're a guest here, we'd like to uh, communicate with you. And in this COVID-19 world, we're doing things digitally. So you will notice that you could text 1C guest to 94,000. 1C guest to 94,000. And that starts our communication with you. For questions you might have and things that you know, we can help you with, uh, that really starts that out. So if you would, please do that if you're a guest here today. Uh, secondly, if you have a prayer request and you would like that included in worship today and throughout the week, uh, you can text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. And if you're on Facebook Live today, uh, you can actually post your prayer request in the comments section and it will be included in worship today. Um, third, just a, a, a reminder that as God's people, we've all been blessed and God takes great delight when we say thank you. Now, how do we do that? We could just use the words thank you, but he loves it when we use our gifts and abilities and talents all for his glory. So serve the Lord. Use your gifts in, in helping other people. And as the Lord moves you, we also ask you to consider giving financially to the ongoing mission ministry here at 1C. And as the screen tells you, there's many different ways to do that. Um, as we give God uh, all the glory. Also, on the way in, hopefully you, you received this. If you didn't, you still have time to go over by the kitchen area on that side in the family gathering area. We have elements for communion. We have bread and we also have wine or juice. So if you would like to take communion with us today, uh, here at 1C, we believe that Jesus is truly present in this bread and wine. And in this meal, we receive forgiveness of sins. We get our faith strengthened, and we're reminded again that he's always with us. So during the next song, if you did not happen to pick up these, they'll be ready for you and available by the kitchen and the family gathering site. Again, may God be glorified always in and through his people.
Boys and girls, I hope you had a chance to grab one of these little baggies on your way in by the communion elements. Um, if you didn't, you can get one after worship. But if you got one, um, go ahead and take out the label. And if you follow the instructions, you know you're supposed to have your name on that label. If not, go ahead and do that now and put that label on. All right. Mine says Greg. I'm guessing yours probably says something different. Hopefully it has your name on it. Um, but if you have your name on there, how did you know your name? Who gave you your name, boys and girls? You have to say it really loud if I'm going to hear you. Parents, yes, parents. So our parents gave us our name, didn't they? And that tells us who we are, right? And it also can tell us what family we belong to, right, with our last names. Names are great. They help us know who we are. Well, you know what? Sometimes in this life, people try to put other labels on us. They try to say things about us that aren't true or that are hurtful and mean, and they'll call us by different names, won't they? 
But you know what? There's a place that we can go to find an even greater truth about who we are. And that's right here, the Bible. And just like our parents gave us our name, our Heavenly Father tells us who we are. So go ahead and take out your second label and put that one on. All right. Can anybody see what that says? What does yours say? Yes, child of God. It says child of God. And I know that's who you are. And I know that's who I am because of the Bible. Our Heavenly Father calls us his children. And if we look at the very beginning of the Bible, when God created mankind, that's us, he created us in his image and in a way that we are like him, that we live with him, and that we're in a relationship with him. And even Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, they walked with God in the garden. That's a pretty close relationship, isn't it? They got to go on walks with him through the garden. That's the way God intended it. But we know that's not the way things stayed because Satan entered the garden and Satan tempted Adam and Eve and sin entered. And because sin entered, everything broke. Our relationship with God broke. Our relationship with each other broke. But our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he didn't want to leave things broken. And so this book, the Bible, is the story of God, our Heavenly Father, coming to us to come after us, to help us, to bring us back to him, to heal our relationship with him and with each other. And ultimately, he sent his one and only perfect son, Jesus, to rescue us, to die on the cross for us, to raise from the grave, to be alive so that we can live with God as his love forgiven children forever. And that's who you are, his love forgiven children. And I know that because that's what the Bible tells me. So this is a place where we can go to find out who we are and whose we are, our Heavenly Fathers. All right, well, let's pray. Boys and girls, you can fold your hands, bow your heads, and we'll invite everyone to repeat after me as we pray together. Father God, thank you for calling us your children and for sending Jesus to make everything right again. Help us to look to you and live in your love. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Uh, we continue our journey as we look at the book of Acts. The, the theme is spirit-driven. And this week, we're going to be looking at the topic, to be faithful even when under attack. So a little history, two weeks ago, if you recall, I, I talked about some of the trouble that the church was going through about 2,000 years ago. And what had happened is the church was growing quickly. And, and so this is a new group of Christ followers, people who were loving Jesus and wanting to get the message out. But the, the Jewish people, they were feeling a little insecure. In fact, the high priest, it said, was, he was jealous. And so he arrested Peter and John, and they threw them into the jail. They put them on trial um, and said, don't you go speaking anymore. They go out, you know. Ultimately, they're even beaten, and yet they keep sharing the name of Jesus. 
that is profound. In fact, I'd like to call it, if I can have the, the first slide up here, is ministry challenges. And uh, let me talk about some of the challenges I've had. In my 31 years as a pastor, in my eight years of schooling to be a pastor, I have never been prepared for COVID-19. I mean, this has just been a crazy five months when really what church is supposed to be is a group of people gathering together in church, singing praises, praying prayers, hearing the word of God. I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. But with COVID-19, we closed down the doors, we went online, and we started doing things differently. I, I, honestly, you, you couldn't get ready for something like this. It's been different. And I know many of you, your world has been turned upside down as well because of COVID-19. I'll tell you another challenge that happened. This is the challenge of technology. Um, here I am, you know, I go on vacation and I'm kind of sneaking away and I'm working on my sermon, right? And I save it. And then when I get back this last Thursday, I go to find it and I could not find what I had done. Ministry challenge. But it pales in comparison to what you're going to see today as we go into the book of Acts and we take a look at what's going on 2,000 years ago. Like I mentioned, the church was growing, many more people to minister to, and all of a sudden the apostles realized we can't do it all. We're in trouble. So they decided to raise up seven men who would come alongside of them and help them in ministry. And we're going to be, over the next couple of weeks, looking at a couple different of them. But today we're going to look at somebody named Stephen. And what do we know about Stephen? If I can have them, there we go. Um, a couple descriptors that we find in the book of Acts. He's full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, full of grace and power, um, could not resist the wisdom and spirit with which he spoke, so very wise. And it said that his face was like the face of of an angel. In fact, if you even look at it, it'll even say that Stephen or Stephen, whichever way you'd like to pronounce it, he did signs and wonders. And if you've looked at the book of Acts already, you've seen that phrase several different times. And it's those moments when the Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus, or they were changing lives. They were blessing people. And there were signs and wonders of God's activity in the church back then, the, this early church. So Stephen, it says, was doing signs and wonders too. But this created a problem. The problem, according to the Jewish leaders, now we'll just say they were pastors at the day, rabbis, priests, whatever you want to call them, they were kind of watching what's going on, and there were several of them that were watching this guy named Stephen. And Stephen um, was, was, again, full of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking the word of God. He was sharing all of this. But this is what they were concerned with. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And I'm going to say that these church leaders, okay, these Jewish leaders, were right. Stephen was preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ and all that Jesus did for people. 
And it was going to be a challenge to the old system, the old way of doing things. And so he got the attention of, again, the Jewish leaders, but not just any of them, but also even the high priest. In fact, the high priest in Acts chapter 7, verse 1 says, is this so? Are you really saying that you're going to destroy this place? Are you really going to cause this kind of trouble? So what does Stephen do? His response is, just so you know, of the, the, the different people that have preached sermons or will preach sermons in the book of Acts. We have um, Peter, we have John, we have, we have Paul. He's going to be preaching. This is the longest recorded sermon that you will find in the book of Acts. He's got a lot to say. Because as he is now going to address this question, is this so? There is so much he's got to do. But as we're told, he is wise. So he, he takes a journey. And he starts out in, in verses 1 to 8, actually verse 2 to 8, talking about Abraham. This is the beginning of the children of Israel. This is the beginning of God's chosen people. So he's kind of connecting with them and saying, okay, let's start back with Abraham. Do you remember his story? And he, in his sermon, he goes through this, the particulars. Abraham was called by God to go to a place that he had never seen, and Abraham listened. Then he gets to uh, Joseph, and a little backdrop to that. This is Joseph is the son of Jacob, one of the 12. And he is the one that was ultimately um, beaten by his brothers, put into a, a well or a cistern. He was sold as a slave to a caravan that was going out to the east. And to, out to the east would be Egypt. And so he tells the story about how Joseph and the Israelites came to Egypt and the course of events that happened there, where God spared his people, saved his people, because Joseph was in Egypt and he was in the second in command in Egypt at the time. So then he sp spends a long time, the longest portion, on Moses. Moses really is the heartbeat of the, the Jewish people. When they think of the story of God's people, remember, they were in Egypt for a long time, hundreds of years. They were slaves and they were servants to Pharaoh and to Egypt. So what God does is he gives birth to somebody named Moses. But he was, he was born of a Jewish mom. But three months into it, when Pharaoh decided, I'm going to kill all the three months and younger, he ends up being in Pharaoh's daughter's house. He's put into a basket. He goes down. They find him. He brings him in. And he grows up in the palace. And he knows the ins and the outs. But at the age of 40, as we're told by Stephen in this section, something happened here. Moses wanted to go see his brothers, which meant fellow Hebrews. And as he's going out and he's taking a look, he's actually seeing an Egyptian soldier beating up on a, a Jewish man. He was incensed. So he goes down, he ends up killing the Egyptian soldier and burying him in the sand. Well, somebody confronts him. He then runs. But then 40 years after that event, he comes back to be the deliverer 
of the children of Israel. And through the 10 plagues and through the whole thing, God finally worked a miracle and they were then let free. But he spends a lot of time talking about this Moses. Then he closes with a brief reference to Joshua, David, and Solomon. This would be really after the children of Israel make their journey from Egypt to the promised land. Remember, it was a 40-year journey. And Joshua was a great warrior. Um, he, he was very instrumental in the God's people going into the new land. And then we find the story of David and Solomon touched on. These are key figures in the history of the children of Israel. Once again, wisdom. He was relating to the priests, to the high priest, to, to those that were around there. They knew these stories. They heard the stories. Stephan is really giving himself a little bit more of some credentials, saying, I know, I know what I'm talking about. But then he shifts gears. Now, what did he show? As he walked through the history of God's people, chosen people, he showed a great biblical presence. Uh, I would like to say about two months ago, I came across an article. And the article talked about the importance for people like you and me to have a greater biblical presence. And really the heartbeat of the story of, by the author was the more we know the narrative of God and who he is, the more it's going to strengthen us in our journey. Now we see that, don't we? We see it with Stephan. He is bold, even to the point where we're going to find out soon that his life was on the line. But he was bold to declare Jesus, and this greater biblical presence gave him strength. And the strength was so much so that he said these words. Now again, you could picture, there's the high priest, there's the other priest there. He says, you stiff-necked people. I don't know if you, if you, if you want to make enemies, those are really good words to start with. Do you know what it means to be stiff-necked? Picture if you would, I'm trying to think which one of my dogs was the worst. Have you ever had an animal, any kind of animal, that was so stiff-necked and so much, they want to do what they want to do, they're not going to budge to your prompting? Or maybe you've ridden a horse that was so stiff-necked that, yeah, you wanted them to go this way, they said, no way. That's what he's saying. You are stubborn, you are obstinate. And then he says, uncircumcised. Those are really big words, right? Because since Abraham, this is one way to be set apart as God's people. Uncircumcised in heart. In other words, unchanged. You are hopeless, you are helpless. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets do not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, Jesus, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. It's almost as if he was putting a line in the sand and said, okay, this is it, folks. And you've crossed it. Uncircumcised heart and ear, stiff-necked people, um, uh, persecuting. I mean, they, they just were not, not good people. So there's a tension going on here, and I'd like to... Um, 
bring you to Exodus chapter 34 because Stephen would understand this. He understands there's two things that are waging war while with the, the high priest and with all the people. So it goes like this. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Let me stop there. So on the one hand, there is a God loving and compassionate and patient and kind I mean, he is looking for moments for people to turn to him. And he's going to give them second chances and third chances and fourth chances. That's the kind of God that Stephen knew. But he also knew that God was a just God. And it says, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? In other words, God's going to have his limit. And if you keep rejecting this Jesus, if you keep rejecting the God of the universe who loves so much, there is a reckoning. There is a reckoning. You know, and I think that's the tension that we see uh, with these stories that Stephen, inspired by the Holy Spirit, started talking about Abraham and Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, and Solomon. Not a single one of these men were perfect. Each one of them had their shortcomings. Each one of them had their sin, and yet there was a God that had mercy. A God who, who said, I'm never going to forget you. A God who, like for Harper, was, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. I'm never going to turn from you. I'm going to pursue you with an everlasting love. And that's the story that Stephen is getting at. And really what he's getting at is it's not about a temple. It's not about man-made rules. Ultimately, it's about Jesus Christ. And that's where he's pushing. And remember, God's people made this relationship with God more of a religion than a relationship. Remember what God wanted? God said, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. Well, the way they wanted to define it was by all these extra rules. If you did these certain things, then you're my child. But that's not how Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke about, I'm going to love you so that you don't perish but have eternal life. That's the story that Stephen is sticking with. And he probably had a sense that if he pursues this and he stays down this course, it's, he's going to be under attack. He's going to be in trouble. And here's an artist's rendering of what it must have been like for Stephen. Here he is. And here we have the, the, the picture of Jesus. And there we see the attackers picking up stones, getting ready to stone him to death because of his faith and love for Jesus. Wow. And here's the response. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So trial and persecution 
comes knocking at Stefan's door. Instead of having despair, instead of being depressed, instead of lots of different things that we often do, he stays the course. How do you do? I'm going I'm, I'm to tell you, there are times when trouble perse- and persecution come my way and I buckle. I become fearful or I try to control everything and I don't trust. Stefan is a beautiful example of trust. So here we have the, the last moments. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I think one of the important aspects of Stephen and his ministry is his willingness to forgive. Or maybe I'll say it this way. One of the most important parts of Stephen and his ministry is being Christ-like. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? When people were hurling insults at him after placing nails in his hands and feet, did he say, oh God, why don't you go get them and make their life miserable? He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. So here is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, going down the road of forgiveness, which really changes lives. So, show you a picture here. Um, And I'm not going to read this in in its entirety. How many of you have ever seen the movie End of the Spear? It's an older movie. Okay, not a lot of you. Um, The story and the backdrop are about five missionaries. And they go to Ecuador. In fact, it's by the Curé River back in 1956. And they were there to reach out to the Winoni tribe. And they were, this was a pretty brutal tribe. I mean, there were so many uh, intertribal murders. I mean, it was just a way of life. You take a spear and you kill somebody. Just the way it is. So their heart was to come to these people and to bring the gospel of Jesus to them. And they took it so serious. So here they are, dropped off. They all have guns. And you're thinking, oh, okay, smart men. But they took a vow, each of them, to never use the gun on anyone else in self-defense. It was just to shoot up in the air. And here's the quote. The reason that they they made that um, commitment, we're ready for heaven. They're not. So they wanted to give these these, um, brutal murderers as many opportunities to come to know Jesus as possible. So uh, what happened is they had some interactions with them, and then all of a sudden something went south really bad. There were some rumors from a couple of the tribal members that permeated the entire tribe about these five men. And as a result of that, there were ten people that came with spears and killed these five men. And then later their bodies washed up down the river. Now you would think that that's the end of the story. 
And here's where I'm, you know, whenever I saw the movie or I've read the book, uh, it's just stirring because forgiveness is the theme. What would I do if my dad was killed? I, I don't know. But let me tell you what they did. It says here in John 12, the story doesn't end there. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. After their death, something astounding grew out of that little riverbank in Ecuador. A couple years later, in the summer of 1958, Rachel Saint, the sister of Nate Saint, accompanied by Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, and her daughter, they returned to live among the Wandoni people. Now, as women, they were not perceived as a threat. They were able to gain acceptance into the society. And yet their, their culture said, well, you know, people are going to come and want to take revenge. So they were still a little bit on guard. But instead of that, they witnessed something that they have never seen before. They saw the wife and the sister of these murdered men return, not to take vengeance on them, but to serve them. Living among them, the women were able to learn their language, provide medical care, and share the gospel with this tribe. Several years later, the women's efforts came to fruition. Many of this tribe came to faith, including Minkai, the very man who killed Nate Saint so many years before. The story doesn't end there. Here's a picture of Nate Saint's son, Steve, and this is Micaiah. This is the individual who ended up killing Steve's dad. Do you see what's going on here? You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is moving Steve Saint to love and forgive even the person who killed his dad. In fact, it went so far, as you read more of the story, is he became, Micaiah, became the grandfather to his kids. To me, that's, a, that's an extreme kind of love. It's one that is over the top. It's the one that really is like, is Christ-like, right? Christ wanting to bring forgiveness and life and hope for this world. And it's really not about man-made rules. It's not about a temple, but it's about a relationship with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 is a really great summary. And whenever you see the word reconciled or reconciliation, it means to make right. To turn back upside, you know, what was turned upside down. And so this is what Paul says. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was making the world back upside to himself, not counting their sins against them. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Stephen knew this. It's what moved him in his ministry. 
It's what moved him to the point to pursue the righteousness and the love of God no matter what, even if it meant that he would be attacked. And I'm going to say, I think that's what's going on in our country today. I think the warfare is very intense. Once upon a time, the Ten Commandments really meant something. But now, they're not the Ten Commandments. They're the Ten Suggestions. And if they fit with your, your model of life, that's really good for you. But if not, just kind of push them aside. Can you imagine if we, the church, would look at those commandments and pray that we would live according to them. Can you imagine what that would be like when it comes to, yes, putting God first. But then when we look at the other uh, seven commandments on the second table of the law, in our interaction with um, parents and authority, when it comes to marriage, and when it comes to coveting or not coveting and being jealous, can you imagine if those ten commandments stirred within us by the power of the Holy Spirit it would change this world. So my prayer for you and me is that many signs and wonders would be done in and through you. Just like Stephen. Just like Peter. There's nothing remarkable about those men. What's remarkable is God's spirit that was in them. So God's spirit wants to come to you and me. And wants to use people like you and me to stand firm and to stand bold as we share the message of how in Jesus and through Jesus we have life. May God grant us such a faith to do this, all for the glory of God and to further his kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your blessings and prayer as we lift up our cares, concerns, and praises to you from our 1C family. Prayers for Chris on his surgery Friday. Father, we just ask that you lay your hands on the surgeons and that this surgery is successful and it takes away Chris's pain. We also lift up the Columbus High School students as they get to go through graduation today. Prayers that I'm still praying for a kidney, for a transplant. I have been blessed with a great life. Thank you, Lord. For my wife, who recently found out her chemotherapy isn't working and her cancer has spread. Prayers for my friends, Laura and Tess, for your healing and comfort. Thank you for my son's successful spinal surgery. Results are already being seen. Praise Jesus. He will not have a lifetime of pain. For my tinnitus to vanish. For my son that gets a good job. And also for my friend Mike that his tests come back good. Prayer praise for my son Christian. He was offered a new job. Prayers that his move to Lincoln goes well. And he makes new friends and that this career is a blessing. That my sister Serenity had a safe weekend with her dad. 
Please watch over, guide, and protect us. Especially help us as we gather, as my son gathers with friends. Please place a hedge around all the kids from the virus. If we are or have been exposed, please give our body strength to fight the virus. And please also give us strength and wisdom to wear the mask. Lord, we thank you for a great week. We enjoyed being with others after months of separation. The laughter was healing. Please, dear Lord, continue to protect us. Prayers for guidance in making some tough decisions coming up. Prayers for the nation and the world in these trying times. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to spend time with family. Continue working through all of us. Heal those who are hurting and show them your ever-present love. Remain with us all and continue to bring all relationships to you, Lord. Almighty Father, you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for hearing our prayers, and we ask for your continued grace, mercy, and love that flows freely to us through your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. invite you to please take your elements and have them ready for communion. Just a reminder of the backdrop to this, this precious meal. Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was in the upper room. He was celebrating the Passover meal. And it was the meal that was, uh, God told them to keep celebrating and remembering how God spared his people from death. And yet, at this meal, he gave it a whole new meaning and purpose as he says, there's forgiveness and there's salvation in him. So our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So take and eat. This is the body of Christ, which is given for you. Take and drink. This is the true blood of Jesus, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We pray. Good and gracious God, you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. We thank you for this meal that was given out of love and received by faith. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the strengthening of our faith and the reminder that you're always with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. 
So may this gift strengthen us in our journey. May we be bold in our profession of who you are and how you love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to thank Pastor, like I did in the last message, for, uh, for giving us such a great message today. Um, as I was scrolling around looking for songs for communion this week, uh, one of the things I did was I was listening to Spotify, and I found one of my favorite artists, Marty Stewart, on there. And I uh, never realized Marty Stewart had a gospel album. And I found this song, and I thought it really fits, because I know there's so many of us that even today, even right now with communion going on, you may have doubts, you may have concerns that, you know, you're not good enough, you're not, you know, why would God want me? You know, that's, and that's why, you know, I wonder that too sometimes. This is one of those songs, when you hear it, I think about it, and I think, you know, this is, he's just waiting, he's only one step away from us at all times. What do you want? What do you need? What have you done? Do you want to be free? Are you losing the battle? The battle with sin? Well, the master is waiting, waiting to come in. As if there's an answer, it's easy to find. Drop down to your heart and rest there a while. Right there in the silence, beneath all the din. You know the master is waiting, waiting to come in. And he'll fill you up. Yes, he'll fill Master is waiting, waiting to come in. So let down your guard once and for all. Cause that voice you're hearing, it's your personal call. Don't try to resist it Don't try to defend Well, the master is waiting Waiting to come in And he'll lift you up Yes, he'll lift you up He'll stand right beside you Master is waiting, waiting to come in. He'll stand right beside you to guide and to win. You know the master is waiting. Why not let him in? Thank you, Chris. A uh, couple announcements. Again, thankful that you're here in worship today. God bless you as you go from here. Um, also, just to let you know, we have something called the Church Center app. 
And we are leveraging that and using that, hopefully to its fullness. And one of the ways in which um, it helps us out is when you use that to check in, it, it, it does help us. Again, uh, with this COVID-19 world that we live in, we really want to know who's here. So as you come to worship, you know, if you want help, I think someone will be over at um, Next Step and you can ask them how to do it. But the Church Center app allows you to check in for the service when you come. And we also have kiosks there that you can do that as well. Uh, but it also gives you a, a plethora of, of ministry things that are going on that are taking place. So that Church Center app, we're really encouraging people to please utilize. Yes, right? absolutely. It's a great way to get connected to the life of the church, to find um, Bible studies events that you can register for through the app. Um, you can find groups to join, um, check-ins, like we said. And speaking of groups, we have... Uh, Two men's groups that meet currently. We have a, a um, Thursday evening men's group that's starting a new study called Stepping Up, Being a Courageous Man. Also Thursday morning men's group. We have a Bible reading group. And as we get closer to the fall here, September, our Wednesday evening exploration, which is Bible studies for all ages, that will be picking back up again as well, um, as well as women's groups. So plenty of ways to get involved, get connected, and to raise the greater biblical presence in our lives. Thank you. I want to share with you God's blessing. And I, just a reminder, it's not something that Jim Thielen decided these words sound really good. It's actually found in the Bible. And God gave these words to share to his people as they were going to go on a journey. So I'd like to invite you to stand, and I'd like to share these words with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord.